This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This is DSC's Untamed Heritage. DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club. Conservation, education, protecting hunters' rights. Ruger. Rugged, reliable firearms. Hardity. Accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon. Brilliant aiming solutions. Burnham Brothers Calls. Calling us calls made. Texas Wildlife Association. Working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Texas Raised Hunting Products. The Scent Gods. www.trailingthehuntersmoon.com. The Hunter Conservation Website. Gentlemen, it's a real pleasure to serve on the DSC Foundation Board. Richard, you've been involved with this foundation from before it was a foundation kind of thing. You have many years with DSC, including a past president and, and all those other kind of things. Tell me a little bit about the kind of the day-to-day workings, why there is a DSC foundation as well, too. Yeah, it, we, it, it actually, it, the idea came up probably about six or seven years ago. Uh, we realized that we needed to have a foundation that served all three prongs of the Dallas Safari Club's mission statement. Um, Dallas Safari Club had always raised money through its convention, corporate sponsorship, auction sales, things like that. But it never had a vehicle that allowed it to solicit donations for people that might want to make a tax-deductible donation. We, DSC is a C4, and that's a you know, that's an IRS term that doesn't mean anything to most people, but a C3 is the only organization that allows people to take tax deductions from charitable donations. And so we decided that the time was right for DSC to have its own foundation that it could support and that it could make sure it supported its uh, specific, the th- three specific prongs of its mission statement. And so talks commenced 2015. We incorporated that summer. Uh, we've kind of started business uh, January of 2016. It's a complicated relationship that we have with DSC, so it took a little longer to get our tax-exempt status. We got that tax-exempt status in September of 2016, and we've been blowing and going ever since. 
It's a great organization. Tim, you just come on board. We did the one of these here not very long ago with you and Corey, but you've come on board as the uh, the current president of the foundation. And what did you tell me last night? We were sitting around talking what the what our goals and objectives are. <laughs> well, it, I heard it when I first joined the board in February, and I, and I thought, well, that's unique. And now it's really stuck. But it's our job is to make great grants. Our job is to promote those grants, and our job is to raise money through those promotions to make more grants. So it's a it's a it's a cyclic cycle. It's a circle. It's a circle, and it, and it keeps hopefully growing bigger and bigger and bigger. And if if you if you think of it in those terms, it's really a pretty easy job. We have actually, as I've said before, we have the best job in the world. We give away money to really cool, really worthwhile uh, organizations and and uh, and causes. Um, the difficult part is we got to. Got to keep raising money to keep <laughs> making those grants. And we're going to get into that a little bit. One of the things that uh, I'm very proud about with the organization is where the money goes. Almost everything goes, or essentially everything goes to those causes. But those causes, too, are vetted very closely, aren't they? I mean, it's not just somebody sends in a grant request and we write a check and give it to them. That's one of the things that I've, of all the things we've done through the foundation, I think one of the most important things we, we did was from the very beginning, we decided that we needed to really develop a, a, a rigorous uh, vetting system to, to figure out where the money is going to be spent. Because suddenly you have people that are donating because they want to donate. They're not buying an auction item. They're donating right, to right. support you because they're, trust, they're going to trust you with the money. And you have to make sure that they understand, that you understand the significance of that trust. And the fact that you are going to be a good steward of their money and you're not going to spend it frivolously. You're not going to overwhelm yourself with overhead and salaries and unnecessary expenses. Uh, but you're going to support good projects, uh, worthwhile projects, people that are going to spend the money wisely. And, pro and, and also projects that are going to promote the international hunting community and the conservation through hunting message. And that covers, as you said, internationally. We do things in Africa. We've done things in a lot of different other parts of the world as well. And, of course, North America as well, too. It, it, it incorporates uh, Mexico. <laughs> I think there's a project in, possibly underway, in the, if not already in the future, dealing with some desert bighorn sheep. And, and even if, you, if you're one of those folks that's really just interested in your local area, you really need to support conservation all over the world. No, we, there's no such thing as just, well, if we're going to keep it in this one little spot, uh, yeah, we do some local projects, but again, those are very closely vetted. Uh, we've done some guzzler products, projects rather, that are really kind of a cool way to get water in the area that not only the game species benefit, the, the non-game species probably benefit more. But uh, these na international, there's some great programs that are being taken care of right now. I mean, essentially, with us, some money here goes a long way in some of those other countries as well. What are some of the projects we're involved in, say, like in Africa right now? Well, we're, we've got a program right now, and Tim's, Tim's actually involved on the DSC and the DSC Foundation side of it called the Hunter's Care Program. CARE right. stands for COVID Anti-Poaching Relief Effort. Uh, we currently, through grants from DSC and DSC Foundation, uh, protect over 23 million acres in Africa Whoa. with anti-poaching services. We have we keep employed an approximately 500 individuals who, without this support, likely wouldn't be employed in providing anti-poaching services. And we're, what we're doing is we're supporting the outfitters and operators over there who already provide these services, but who now provide them with zero revenue coming in because of the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. And so 
Uh, and so it's an amazing thing. People, we always talk about the fact that uh, that hunters are the true conservationists and that we fund conservation. And we always get pushback from people who don't believe it. But this is a really easy way to say, listen, this is what we've done. This is what we Dallas Safari Club and DSC Foundation have done. We're, we're currently protecting all that acreage. We're keeping these people employed, direct benefit to wildlife and wilderness. I don't care who you are. Nobody thinks poaching is a good idea. I don't think they have any understanding of, of the impact of no revenue on those people on the front line who typically pay for this. And so for us to be able to step in and make a difference um, is gratifying. They're great programs, and it will allow us to also continue to support and promote that conservation through hunting message. It's a perfect example of it. It is a perfect example. And the thing about it is you mentioned also the community benefits from it. You're keeping a lot of people employed right now through that just that probably would not be employed were it not that. So it goes almost into a humanitarian kind of situation as well, too. That's an impressive number of acres. I don't care whether it's Africa or, where, or the world comparatively. I mean, that is a great number of acres, and it's it's doing good. It's Obviously, it's doing good. I mean, you can look at some of the reports that we've gotten, and, and if somebody's interested, they can go to our website, too, and, and there's all kinds of messaging there that will allow them to see what actually is, is going on. It, right. All you got to do is go to dscf.org, and, or you can go to biggame, B-I-G-G-A-M-E dot O-R-G, which is a DSC website, and it'll put you onto the, uh, uh, the foundation site as well, too. Yeah. Tim, what do you see as some of the, the continued problems? Obviously, poaching in the world that we live in, that's going to be going on. Uh, we don't have the, we have virtually no poaching problem here in the States or in North America. Yeah, there are a few of them, but it's a totally different situation here when we have a poaching problem here where only one or two animals are taken as opposed to what's going on in some of the, the particularly in Africa, mm-hmm. uh, where people are hungry and uh, those kind of things. But what, what do you see are some of the things that we're going to be involved in in the future through DSCF? Well, Larry, we're, you know, between our three prongs of, of which is advocacy, conservation, and education, um, you know, it's impossible to split them equally exactly three ways. You, in, in, our, in our world, we have to attack what's the hottest, the biggest fire at the time, right? right. And right now, loss of revenue for these outfitters around the world, people who do preserve and conserve the animals and protect the land and so forth, um, is right now probably the the hottest spot going right now. Kids aren't even in school yet. I mean, you'd, so the education side's kind of difficult. So we're we're pretty flexible at moving around. And I, I'd like to address one thing. When I started, as I say in February, I saw Richard's uh, procedures for for issuing a grant and the documentation and so forth. My initial thought, funny story, was, good lord, this is complicated. And now today. I can't tell you how important that is because when you, for instance, when you attack a new project like your Guzzlers or Richard's Care program that he discussed or the other wonderful projects that we cover, you know, if you don't require things like, hey, we want a twice a year report back, we want to know how you did, what you spent the money on, that's only fair when you're giving somebody a grant for 10000 or $100,000, whatever the number is, um, it's important we get feedback as to what you're doing with that money. And it's, I think it's, um, that's going to force us, or not force us, it's going to allow us to grow this program even more and more, especially a, 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 a grantee that gets a, a grant from DSC and they see the reporting and then they get the, the press because we promote it. 
Yes. All of a sudden, it, there you're back to your full circle again. It's a right. win-win for everybody. Right. And so um, I, I think right now, as you say, Africa's in real trouble with the loss of income. We can't even go there right now. No. Although I did get good news this morning. Zambia is now taking the first hunters just arrived in Zambia. Really? Yesterday. I, I heard that was a possibility a yeah. few days ago, but I wasn't aware that it actually is going Three on. friends of mine just landed, and they're in camp, and everything's fine. Really? Yeah. yeah. So Tanzania is open. Tan Tanzania is open. Okay. And Mozambique is opening. They claim August 1st, now, You know whether that happens or not. But... Um, yeah, and there's um, the number of projects we could and will get into is almost endless. <laughs> and, and, you know, we, we do try to, you know, the whole world isn't built around Africa, but Africa is such a, an important part because it's got the limelight right now. Look at the bill in California that they're trying to pass that would prevent you from bringing home any of your trophies from your hunt. Uh, where's that in your constitution? Um, so they're attacking those fronts, and, and we have to fight that all the time because I'm sorry to sound emotional, but if you'll let them get away with that, what's next? And California already has a law in the books. You're not allowed to have a mountain lion in your home that you went to Canada and harvested. Uh, are you kidding me? So, And then now we've got this new bill in, in the U.S. Congress that they're, they're debating now about no longer allowing the importation of lion and elephant and so on and so forth. And unfortunately, they're making these decisions completely based on emotions. If you stop hunting elephants, they will disappear. Yeah, look, at, look at yeah. Kenya. When yeah, Kenya outlawed elephant hunting in the 70s, there were 115,000 elephants. Today, there's an estimated 12,000. So I don't think hunting was the problem. And that's Quite the problem. The without without <laughs> hunters, you're not protecting <laughs> the species in exactly, today's environment. Exactly right. Yes. We're no longer back in the days where there were 300 million people on the globe. We're almost at, almost to 8 billion and it's just, yeah, I mean, it's a whole different world today. You have to have hunters. And you mentioned, Tim, the other, the other significant issue, let me turn that off, uh, is, is international policy. I mean, we're, we're, now we have these, we have the California fight, we have the Gravolva uh, bill in Congress, we have CITES that's going crazy on, on listings, uplistings. So, so among, um, uh, other than anti-poaching work and the conservation work in Africa, it's related to this because that's kind of the perfect storm that's come together. There is a major push, the UK push to ban imports over there, uh, that's going to have a massive impact on uh, on international hunting, and, and and of course a lot of people, a lot of people that listen to this podcast, a lot of people in the states will say, well, how does that impact us over here? Well, it, number one, they're not going to stop if they're successful in Africa. Number two, it's already impacting us over here with what's happened in, in British Columbia with the grizzly bear hunt, with, with what already happened in California with respect to mountain lion. You have these states that, that open up bear hunting and get pressure and turn it and close it again. Florida did the same thing. Larry Shores was a bear hunter. And so... Uh, so it is impacting us. Um, you have the fight over the subpopulation of grizzlies in, in Yellowstone. It's these issues. That issue is here. It's not an African issue. It is going to affect everybody who hunts in the United States, whether they hunt internationally or not. So, well said. And, and to your to your point, look at the polar bear. When the Obama administration came into office, the first thing it did was kill importation of polar bears. And the Canadian government, the wildlife minister, did a fabulous job and explained to them, just because you don't allow them to be imported in the U.S., we're not going to stop hunting them because no. we have, we know the numbers, we're keeping equal balance. If polar bear numbers get out of control, the walruses drop or the seals and et cetera. So it's a, it's a balance, an eco balance, and they're continuing to hunt them up there. We just can't go, we, we can go up there and do it. We just can't, can't bring it home. Yeah. And, it, you know, people think that the word 
you know, I mentioned trophies earlier. It's not about this is not my trophy. It's a remembrance of the adventure and Absolutely. the hunt that you went on. So as you well know, you walk into my lodge, and I've got quite a few taxidermy <laughs> you know, mounts on the wall. I'm telling but, you, but and those, those are those memories ones. from around the world. Absolutely, yes, sir. And why shouldn't you be allowed to do that? You're going on a legal authorized hunt that's needed to to preserve these animals and conserve the animals, but yet some some politicians going to tell us we're not allowed to bring these home. I don't think so. This is absolutely not right. There's no logic to it. There's no, no It's a dead animal at that point, and I'm sorry to be blunt. It's, a, it's it an animal that has skin and horns uh, that can be put to use, and, and if the option is to burn them or put them in a trash dump, it makes no sense. No, not at all. Plus the meat from those animals went to the local villages. Absolutely. It's a totally life-sustaining cycle. And they're just, they're, uh, yeah, it's based on emotions, and it's just wrong. Well, wildlife conservation is the wise use of. Yes, it it's is. not conserving. Uh, is and conservation is is best handled through hunting because of you're you're dealing with a finite habitat that is tending to shrink as the world increases in human population. So you've got to more properly manage that habitat so that not just the game species, but all the non-game species there, and more importantly, the habitat. If the habitat's healthy, then the rest of it. Years ago, as, as a biologist with the state of Texas, when I worked on ranches in South Texas, I started with a lot of those ranches where they were, there was hardly anything there. I mean, it was bad level graze, been overshot, you know, and, and for local food more than anything else. And one of the things that we learned is we improved the habitat for white-tailed deer or javelina or morning doves or, or turkeys or whatever. Guess what? The habitat vastly improved in terms of varied species of plants. As a result of that, we had a whole lot more caterpillars. As a result, we had a whole lot more butterflies. As a result of that, we had a whole lot more songbirds. And because of hunting, that's how that came to be. If there wouldn't have been hunting over there, that habitat would have been totally degraded, kind of like some of the habitat I've seen in Africa where they don't do elephant hunting to some of the, looks like a blasted moonscape where there used to be many, many various species of birds and animals. Now they're elephants. And a decreasing number of those because they're run out of food. Yeah, they, they will eat themselves out of house. <laughs> Actually, they home, really, really do. And you don't, and, and, and unless you're a biologist or, or somebody that, that, that spent a lot of time in the field hunting or, 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 uh, or working, you don't understand the, the impact of the loss of the canopy on the next layer and then the impact of that layer. And that's why you wind up with that. What you see all around Kruger Park now is, is, is bare dirt, no trees. And no grass. And no grass. And so it's it's the it's a simple it's a simple matter of the ground temperature heating up a few degrees, or less moisture retention, and all of a sudden, every every species, whether it's the people, the species that browse the leaves or, or eat the grass, there's there's no longer food. The habitat's untenable for them, and they can't survive. Anymore. Exactly. And to me, that's why wildlife conservation through hunting is so very important in all this. We, we've talked about some of the projects, and we'll get into. The, in the future, I want to get into some of the specific projects and possibly with some of the, the, the operators as well, too, that can talk about it on an on-the-ground situation kind of thing. All this takes money. Where do we go to get money to create more grant, to allow more money to go to grants so that we can create better things, so that we can make people smile, animals smile, and then try to come up with more money to do that? How do we go about getting the money? How can somebody... That is uh, uh, that loves wildlife, whether they're a hunter or a non-hunter, 
but they truly love wildlife, how can they help to help us, to help the animals, to help the, the, the habitat? Well, Larry, there's, there's several programs in place. I'll let Richard talk more about it, but there's, there's ways you can do long-term estate giving. Um, you can write a check to the CARE program. Uh, there's general funding. You can support your local DSC chapters. Um, just being involved in the, that whole cycle is, is, a, is, a, is a way of donating, if you know what I mean. If somebody wants to give direct money, I'll, I'll let Richard take over from here. Yeah, they, we have a, on the website we have the, uh, a mechanism set up that anybody that wants to log on, there's a donate button at the top right of the website, www.dscf.org, and it'll allow people to go straight there and make a donation. And that donation, by virtue of the DSC mission statement, that donation has to be spent on either conservation, outdoor education, or outdoor uh, hunters, advocacy hunters' rights. Right. No, we have no variation. We, don't, we can't... We no. can't there can't be a great humanitarian project that we want to support. We just can't. We're not raising money under those auspices. But, um, but there are other ways, too, and some of them are simple. Uh, the Amazon Smile Program. If you, anybody that purchases through Amazon, they, Amazon has a program by which they allow people to dedicate a portion of their purchases to the, the nonprofit charity of their choice, and, and one of those qualified is DSC Foundation. Uh, simple Fantastic. program. Uh, Sportsman's Legacy has a great program where somebody wants to donate a gun collection or an outdoor book collection or a, a knife collection, they will they will accept it, they will sell it, they will turn around and give the money back to Dallas Safari Club or DSC Foundation. Um, and uh, as Tim mentioned, there's several opportunities from a plan giving standpoint, either bequest and will, single premium life insurance, designation of IRA beneficiary status, um, uh, other other uh, charitable annuity gifts, uh, charitable annuity trust. Um, uh, there's lots of opportunities for somebody that wants to leave a legacy, and and we're all getting older, and, and we all we all have either children or grandchildren, or in some cases great grandchildren. We all start to think at some point, you know, what what's it going to be like? Can they go to Africa in 25 years? Can they? What's it going to be like hunting over here? And and if you, I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. But if we don't do something, Africa is not going to be an option. Yeah. Um, um, and the only way to ensure that we can continue to fight these fights um, and have the ability to have a voice in the future is to start thinking long term. And that's building the endowment. That's getting these long term gifts. That's ensuring that the people who take over after us, after our time is done, are, are, are qualified and that we have the right numbers and that they're given the right resources to fight the fight. I agree. One of the things I want to, before we close this out, is a little bit about the messaging. We, through Safari Classics, do does an absolutely fantastic job of getting the message out as to some of the things that DSC, and particularly with the DSC Foundation that we're working on right now. What's what's the best way to where people who may be riding the fence going, well, I really want to find out what these guys are about. Those guys are, are putting out information that is, to me, is is just top notch among everything else. How can somebody access some of those programs, if you will, or those presentations to where they can see it and then go, wait a minute, these guys really are doing something good, you know? Yeah. And how can we come involved? And to me, that's part of that messaging program of getting involved. But where can they find these things? Well, that's a good question, and that's that's the beauty of social media. We we we, we have so many different options right now. We have a YouTube channel, and everything's there. Look up Dallas Safari Club. You certainly when you're you do YouTube search. 
Um, we have a uh, uh, we have a website, and we, on our website we have most, if not all, links to most, if not all, of these videos. And then we have a DSC Foundation Facebook page that has every one of these videos, and we post new videos as they're as they're made, and certainly topical videos. We've done several here recently. There's a big issue in New Zealand with respect to a tar, controversial tar coal program. Um, we're about we've we've already filmed, and we'll soon release uh, videos about the. Uh, uh, the California legislation that Tim mentioned a while a while ago, and uh, and we're going to do a couple more highlighting the success of the Hunters Care Program. But the website, the foundation's Facebook page, DSC's foundation page too, uh, which is uh, uh, BigGame.org, uh, 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 and, uh, DSC uh, Dallas Fry Club Facebook page also has links to most of these videos. Uh, we try to make them, we try to put them out to as many people as possible to see. We realize that DSC has a membership of 6,000 people. We have a viewership far beyond that. And some of these really good videos that Safari Classics have done are, are viewed a million or more times. And so we're, we're getting that message out. Um, uh, it's a message that for too long we kind of assume people, we took for granted. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. And we realized that that was a mistake. Yeah, sure. And so I'm... I'm I'm really pleased with what Safari Classics has done, and I think this messaging component of the DSCF program, you know, it's over and above. It's part of the education and right, advocacy exactly. aspect yeah. of this, but it's extremely important. Yeah, I mean, not only are they, is there a good message there, they're fun to look at, too. I mean, there's great, great footage. I mean, if you, if you just like animals and you want to go look at some real cool footage, that's a good place to start right there with, with some of the foundation of the DSC video type things that are put out. But you'll also have a better understanding if you do as to why we're talking about conservation and why hunting is done, our conservation is done through hunting. When we told that story about the Markor in Pakistan, I guarantee you that 90% of the people in the United States had no idea, A, it was a complete success story, and B, how important it was, and who else is going to pay $100,000, 80% of which goes right back to the community to, 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 to go over there and to support that conservation effort. So it's a very important tool for us. It is. It is a very important tool. The, the one thing that the listeners should understand is when that program got started on the Markor, the four species in Pakistan, there were an estimated Richard 2,500 left in the whole country of all four species. Right. Today, the estimated, since that program's been in place since the 80s, what, it's over 25,000. I, I think just with the just with the Astor Markor, which was the one that was in the news, right. I think there's about 7,500 animals in just that single subspecies. Just, the, just in that one subspecies. So the population of just the one species has probably gone up 10 times since that hunting program was put in place. Why? Now there's a value to the animal and the herders and the, the you know, they shut off the poaching and they preserve the animal because they're getting hospitals, they're getting schools, they're getting food, they're getting, I mean, what an, and that, but that story holds true everywhere. I call it now, I personally call it the worldwide hunting model. Right. That's exactly what happened. Exactly. And hunters paid for all that. Every bit of it. And you talked about the impact of, of on biodiversity of, of a sound hunting program. It's the same thing with respect to anti-poaching. If you've got a people out there and, and the hunting pays for these anti-poaching patrols, it's not just the markhor, it's the snow leopard, it's everything else that lives in that, and it's a really rugged, remote, desolate uh, habitat for them, and it's fragile. It is and fragile. So, and so hunting, uh, poaching, and, and, and that type of environment can have a much more immediate impact there if it's not controlled. And the only people that are paying for 
for that right now are are primarily American hunters who come over there and, and, and are writing the check. Gentlemen, thank you for everything that you've done, everything that you're doing, and everything the foundation is going to do in the future. I appreciate the opportunity to visit with y'all. We're going to come back to these gentlemen here probably in another, say, two or three weeks and try to get an update of some of the new things that are going on at that point. But thank y'all for being with us this morning. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Larry. DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, conservation, education, protecting hunters' rights, Ruger, Rugged, reliable firearms. Hornady, accurate, deadly, dependable. Pridzicon, brilliant aiming solutions. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, Callness Calls Made. Texas Wildlife Association, working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Texas Raised Hunting Products, The Scent Gods. www.trailingthehuntersmoon.com, the Hunter Conservations' website. Imagine a change in Hollywood's message. Imagine a big screen version of your life, telling your story as a God-fearing, red-blooded hunter. Manifesting your God-given right and skill to gather groceries in the woods and pray over them on the dinner table. Lots of folks seem to think this film is a great idea. This is Michael Waddell. I'm Toxie Hayes. Hey, this is your blood brother, Ted Nugent. And want to partner with you to build the first ever hunter-funded, God-glorifying movie centered around our hope, our heritage, our harvest. What this world needs is a hunter. You make this world a better place. Come on. TheHarvestMovie.com